Welcome to Watershed's August podcast. My name is Mark Cosgrove and I'm the cinema curator here at Watershed. And I'm Tara Dieter and I am the cinema producer here at Watershed. Tara, when, when we were looking at August a, a few weeks back, as we do in advance, thinking about what's what we're going to show, I think I said to you that all I could see was a desert. <laughs> there was emptiness. There was emptiness. There seemed to be emptiness, a lot of emptiness in, in the in, in the cinema screens, and I just couldn't see what how August was going to get filled up because it, you know at this time of year a lot of the big blockbusters are released. Um, so we've already had The Incredibles. We've already had Mamma Mia, Skyscraper. You know all of these big. Um, mm tentpole films come out and it just feels like everybody that's doing smaller films or whatever thinks, oh, just leave that for just now. So I was really, as I say, scratching my head thinking, what will we do in August? And then... And then? <laughs> and then, <laughs> um, you know, Spike Lee comes into view with, with, not just with Black Klansman, his new fantastic assault on Trump's America, um, but also a live satellite Q&A, and that's just one uh, of the things that's happening this month. One of very many exciting things that are happening this month. This, be this month went from being um, August, just a month that's happening, to pretty much uh, an early cine Christmas gift for me. This, is, um, this month has turned into all of the things that I could possibly want to delight in seeing in a cinema, all in just a couple of weeks. I mean, actually, I'm a I'm tiny bit stressed about how I'm going to manage to find the time to sit in the cinema and watch all of the things that I want to watch whilst also trying to, you know, do a job and be a real human outside of it. But it's an incredible lineup. Um, Agnes Varda, for a start. Well, th this, has been, this has been long in the, the offing. Uh, I'd heard rumours that Agnes Varda retrospective was going to happen, wasn't going to happen. Uh, everybody was, was buzzing about it a few months back. Everything seemed to go quiet. And then suddenly I get the email saying from the distributor saying, we've got the, we've got the money, we can make it happen. When do you want to show them? Well, let's put them on and <laughs> let's get this retrospective happening this month. And yeah, we're showing a lot of new restorations. Eight and fantastic films. I mean, really, this is a a, a joyous occasion to really delve into Anya Svada's work. Um, she has just appeared at the BFI South Bank with uh, share absolute gems of wisdom with the people who attended the In Conversation and also a Q&A that she did with the Beaches of Agnes, which I was lucky enough to attend. And she has such a unique vision still in her work and an incredible ability to marry the seriousness that is required with playfulness mm. um, that really makes cinema a joy. So she absolutely doesn't shy away from big issues. Her films talk about relationships. They're very feminist. They're about women. They're about uh, women's rights over their own bodies. You know, she mm. was very much engaged in the protests when uh, about the women's right to abortion. She's part of the left bank new wave of uh, French cinema, a really intrinsic part of that, and, and one of the most foremost women in that movement. Um, and so we, we're bringing her films back to the big screen. It's a time to celebrate and look at her work. She's now 90 years old. Well, I was, saying, I was, I was thinking that. She's 90 years old, and she's become the kind of poster woman for this new wave of feminism that's really going through the industry. I mean, her, her presence at the Oscars whether it was her in person or a cardboard cutout, <laughs> was very much there. And people like Kate Blanchett 
and other big figures within the industry have really put her centre stage, haven't they? As a yeah, absolutely. Icon. I mean, she and you know she's very active in a social sense. Um, so on social media or on Instagram, I recommend people follow her. She's a delight to follow. Um, she also has a new film coming out, not in August, in September. So keep an eye out for that after the retrospective called Places Faces, and that will be coming here. And so. In addition to kind of her new work and the stuff that she is still making films at age 90 um, and, and incredible films and she's very engaged but we actually get this opportunity to look back at her work and it's interesting because I think she has really become like you say a kind of poster woman for feminist movement um, it, and I, I think you know it must be difficult for her to sort of have to wait so long to get this acclaim in a way because she has been making films mm. for a very long exactly. time. Exactly she's not just come she's not <laughs> she's just come not fully new. formed out, out the, but she, she does have this incredible lineage which goes from the Nouvelle Vague in France in the 1950s through into, as you say, her new film where she's working with a, a young French artist. So she's, she's very much um, still connecting with the new, the young, and there's an incredible energy about her films. There is, absolutely. And I mean, um, one of my absolute favourite films ever of all time, in fact, I mean, of the eight, a few of those have come under that, that title, but Le Bonheur is probably one of my favourite ever films, um, and the idea of seeing that on a big screen is uh, beyond exciting to me. Um, but things like Vagabond and Cleo, Senkaset, so Cleo from five to seven, these films um, are so integral and important in the feminist movement. For anybody who's interested in film and feminism, um, there is actually an online journal called Cleo, which is named after after the mm. film and the lead character in Cleo from five to seven so this is how much of a reach Agnes Varda has had is that people have actually named uh, you know journals after her that critique and look at film from a feminist perspective um, her she is so iconic and important in the movement but also just important as an incredibly talented filmmaker you know she was a photographer before she was a filmmaker when she came to the craft she didn't know actually lots about mm cinema she wasn't a, a kind of well-versed cinephile she was young and dynamic and thought I'm going to change cinema I'm going to invent cinema is mm. actually what she mm. thought and so you know she really came to this with a fresh perspective and one of the things that she talks about is the the kind of I guess the correlation and the interplay between making sure that her films have universal themes and messages, but also that they speak to kind of specificity too. So there's actually so much poetry in, our, in her films, visually and also in terms of the dialogue and the screenwriting. Um, but equally, they are accessible from a kind of universal place because they still have themes that we can all relate to. Well, I think it's that playfulness, which is balanced by a seriousness um, of intent, and also the way in which, as you say, she seems to kind of way sort of redefine filmmaking as a very personal thing, but something that you just get on and do it. You know, just don't yeah. don't let all this stuff get in the the road of the idea. A particular favourite of mine is The Gleaners and I, um, which, as you say, she comes um, from an art background, from a from a photography background, and The Gleaners and I references the um, famous. Melee painting, which shows you people collecting stuff from the ground. You know, I think it was the, the late 1800s. But it's people surviving from what is left in the ground and what is left around. Um, and she picks up that uh, uh, theme, makes it contemporary because this is about how people survive. And and she of course highlights uh, a serious kind of social problem that's going on in France. So it's that balancing of a, of a, a playfulness of approach, but with a very sort of focused and serious uh, attitude. So that's Agnes Varda, and, and we're doing the retrospective over August. 
and you can find out about all the titles and when they're showing at watershed.co.uk. There will also be an illustrated talk oh, on yeah. Agnes Varda. Um, so if you want to find out more beyond seeing the films, uh, please do come along on Sunday the 19th of August where I will be taking you through a number of themes in her work, kind of introduction to who she is, but also delving a little bit deeper into that relationship between the seriousness and the playful. And I promise it will be fun. And picking up on the serious and the playful, this is something that Spike Lee, um, that great indie uh, American, African-American filmmaker, uh, Spike Lee, who manages also to balance playfulness with a very seriousness of intent. Um, and he seems to have come out fighting with Black Klansmen, uh, the title alone, Black KKK Klansmen, which tells the story of a black policeman, a true story, would you believe it, in the 70s, who infiltrated the Ku Klux Klan. Um, I, I didn't believe it when I first heard the, the, the outline <laughs> of it. I thought it was a, some sort of comedy, but no, this was actually true. He did it by phone calls, and then when the person had to turn up to infiltrate, they, it, was, it was his colleague, a white colleague, who went. So, you know, this is, this is what happens in the film. But, of course, what Lee does by setting it in the 70s is tell a story about now, uh, very, very much about now. And in fact, that is referenced in, in some of the film, which brings it right up to date. But he is clearly angry um, as a filmmaker, um, but he's also having tremendous fun. And this film, I think, is, um, unlike some of his, his, his previous work, I think it will have the sort of impact going right back to do the right thing of, of reaching out um, across a broader um, audience. Yeah, I mean, I, th I th thought this film was fantastic, actually. It's incredibly funny, which I didn't expect. It's much more comical than I thought it would be. It deals with a serious subject, of course, um, and it does deal with something that Spike Lee has dealt with his entire career and that he's really wrestled with. So even before he became a kind of breakout filmmaker, uh, when he made his first film as a student at NYU, he made a short film called Birth of a Race in response to Birth of a Nation. And this is the film and film history that he's been fighting against his entire career, is trying to find a way to speak back to that inherent racism and white supremacy narrative that's built into the Hollywood trajectory. And so he made that short film at NYU. He had, didn't leave it alone. He came back to it with a film called Bamboozled in the 90s, which didn't do particularly well. And so it was one of those films, Spike Lee pretty much had a, a studio deal where he would make one for the studio, one for himself. And it was one of the ones he made for himself, so it didn't have as much of a budget behind it. Wasn't as successful a film. It is narratively, I think, a little bit messy. It does suffer from lack of funding in post-production, but it's an exceptional film um, and one that deals again with these same issues. And so I think he hasn't quite let it go because he hadn't nailed it yet. And uh, in fact, it's interesting because when we talk about writers or any artistic pursuit that basically what we're doing is we spend our whole lives trying to answer the same question and I think this is really interesting in terms of like looking at um, even from last month so Andre Bazan spent his whole life trying to answer the question what is cinema Spike Lee has spent his entire career trying to answer this question what is Hollywood's obsession with white mm. supremacy and how can we decode that and so Black Klansman goes straight for it and again it takes uh, Birth of a Nation as one of its you know in the firing line but also, it, it's not a film that uh, that could have been made under Obama. I mean, it, it took True. the it took the pol it, it took his his political nemesis to appear in the shape of Donald Trump to bring all those um, 
um, you know, the racist undercurrents um, come to the surface, and 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 it's it's the time is now for Spike Lee, and he yeah. is he has absolutely found that uh, target and the voice, and as I say, makes Black Klansman because he knows he wants to reach a wider audience with this message, yeah. and I think he's found the form, he's found the story to do that. Absolutely. I mean, I think this film really nails it um, with Adam Driver as well in, in a kind of lead role. It, it, it has a, a much wider appeal than some mm -hmm. of his other work, but I think also um, fits really well in terms of the context of his other work, which is why we're also showing some of those earlier films. Mm -hmm. so well, that's going to be the brunches that we're, that we're doing over August, which is Do the Right Thing, Crooklyn, Jungle Fever. And Mo' Better Blues. And Mo' Better Blues, which looking back on those as a sort of body, and that's just some of the work that he's done, not the documentaries, but just some of the work, it is, it is one of the kind of strongest, you have to say it's one of the strongest bodies of work of uh, an American filmmaker. It is, and it's a great place to start. It's not the end of the conversation. There's yeah. more of his films to dive into, but it's a good place to begin that kind of context of see Black Klansman, see this context of his other work, especially Do the Right Thing, which I just adore. Perfect summer movie as well, because it's all about the dizzying heights of the summer and all those tensions that bubble and simmer away. We've got the right weather for it so far. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, a satellite Q&A uh, with Spike Lee coming from um, the South Bank in London will happen on the 20th. A great opportunity to see Spike live um, from the BFI South Bank at Watershed on Monday the 20th with a preview of Black Klansman. So that's Agnes Varda and Spike Lee, just two of the things that are happening over August. And what, what else are you, some of the highlights for you? So I'm also incredibly excited about the fact that um, building on all of these themes, and there's so many connections to be made between them, between Agnes Varda, um, also between Spike Lee and last month's Cinema Rediscovered, where we had Leslie Harris visit for Just Another Girl on the IRT, is that there is something also happening about women's narrative, untold stories, the kind of counterpoint. And so we've also got, as a counterpoint, Revolt She Said, um, which is in response to May 68. So we had that earlier in the year during May, but we're, we're drawing another connection there um, about women's stories that were about revolution. And so we've got three events this month, starting with Laura Mulvey's Riddle of the Sphinx. Then we're going to be showing Vera Chitilova's Daisies, an incredibly wonderful bonkers journey of, of young women doing ridiculous things. Great fun. Um, and then ending with Ulla Stockel's The Cat Has Nine Lives. Each of these films will have a short played ahead of it, including for Daisy's um, the incredible short film Soap Ma Vie by Chantal Ackerman, um, who was an extraordinary filmmaker in her own right in, in similar time kind of from the new wave as well. She was coming up. Um, and these films all look at female experience. They look at issues of childcare, union rights, um, neon acrobats. So there's great fun to be had in these films, but they also deal again with serious issues. So it is that idea again of seriousness and playfulness come together. We're lucky enough to have a panel discussion after Laura Mulvey's Riddles of the Sphinx with filmmaker Esther May Campbell, local filmmaker from Bristol, um, Kim Knowles, who's part of Bristol Experimental and Expanded uh, Film, uh, and also uh, independent programmer and critic Lorena Pino. And that will be hosted by critic and author and activist So Mare from Club Day Femme. So this is part of the Club Day Femme ICO touring program. Um, I'll be introducing the second two films when we have screenings of those. And we've also, joyously enough, so much happening, um, extraordinary opportunities this month. We will have also a Skype Q&A with the filmmaker Ulla Stockel after The Cat Has Nine Lives uh, via Skype. So we have a lot to offer in terms of let's make those connections between 
what's happening today and the context of social and political climate and also what are the roots of where these things have come from and and you know again these women have been making films for years they that's not a new thing with feminist or women filmmakers they have existed we're just shining a spotlight on them so that we can look back at where those threads came a fantastic program and also you know very simply a great opportunity to see these films in the cinema i um i'm old enough um fortunate enough to have seen riddles of the sphinx in the 1980s um and it was right at the cutting edge of the avant-garde at that moment in time with sort of extraordinary brave um filmmaking practice mm. that was coming out of the the uk um, and for that to, re, to be represented on the cinema screen is just a, um, a great opportunity for people to see it. It is, and for anyone who's not familiar, Laura Mulvey is the writer who in late 60s actually um, coined the term the male gaze, which we use a lot in contemporary conversation mm. now, I think, but in terms of understanding how we look at cinema, she actually was the first person to, to theorise mm. that. And continuing the theme of playfulness and seriousness, we have the indefatigable Mark Cousins coming to talk about um, his new film, The Eyes of Orson Welles, which is one of uh, another of Mark's documentaries. That he, he does that wonderful thing where he takes as a starting point something but brings in, you know, the contemporary art, culture, society, politics, but is about um, at its heart about um, Orson Welles's love of painting and drawing and how that. Um, his his way of looking as an artist informed his his films, but as I say, Mark, in, in his inimitable style, makes that feel very contemporary and very now. It's not a a sort of historical documentary. Yeah, absolutely. I think he definitely comes at it from the lens of looking through Orson's perspective and singular vision of uh, art direction, actually. And one of the things that really comes out in the film is how his sketches and drawings had quite an influence on the art direction in the films. And particularly if you think about things like The Trial, Citizen Kane, these films are really well hailed for the way in which they look cinematographically, but also in terms of the art direction um, and the composition. And I think that he really draws that parallel out. And he has access to an archive of sketches and paintings and drawings well, well, that we with, haven't um, seen. Yeah, he's worked with um, um, Wellesley's daughter. Yes, Beatrice, yeah. and and so we haven't previously had access mm. to this this you know these these drawings and being able to see them, and so uh, he's sort of really done that kind of work of, well, here's a wealth of materials, let's make those connections, and it is an extraordinary way to look through the eyes of Orson Welles. Finally, feature film wise, I would like to draw everybody's attention to the wonderful film The Heiresses which is a debut feature which I saw in Berlin um, Film Festival earlier this year. It's a debut feature from Paraguay by director Marcello Martinezzi. And it is such a wonderful um, both character study of two older women who you're not sure what their relationship is, um, but one of them, Chela, uh, seems to be the owner of this um, wonderful apartment house, slightly old, slightly decaying. Um, and Chiquita, who seems to be a maid, but the, the film sort of reveals that the relationship is actually closer than that, and that Chela is, is selling off her belongings and property and not quite sure what's going on. The, the, the film doesn't, it reveals itself slowly rather than, than telling you, um, but it becomes um, not just a wonderful character study, but also a comment on 
Paraguay uh, at the moment, it's, it's politics, state of the country, colonialism, because there's clearly, you know, the, these are, are Spanish speakers who have earned money through, um, we don't know how, but it's been handed on, you feel. And it's the changing nature of Paraguayan life and the relationship between a bourgeois um, and a working class. But it, everything is, it surrounds these characters and it's the characters' um, relationships and they're older women. Um, they, they're in their, I would say, in their 70s. And so for a first time feature from Marcello, this um, is such a wonderful observational, but, but strongly committed um, filmmaking. And I do urge people to to see it because it is such a rewarding film. Also, there's a um, coming out from the filmmaker who made The Imposter, a film called American Animals, um, and we are lucky enough to have a screening and Q&A with the director for that. And, uh, I mean, it's a, a very unlikely film in that it's, again, uh, based on a true story, or it, is it part documentary? This is one of those films that blurs those lines between mm. document and drama. Um, and it goes terribly wrong, but we also then have the actual real-life people who tried to carry out this crime of stealing significant paintings and books and artefacts from a library um, is that actually we kind of see interviews with them intercut with the footage of the dramatization. So it's that thing about blurring the lines between documentary, dramatization, how we perceive events, how we remember them. It's a little bit more overt than the early days of Errol Morris, but it certainly has its uh, foot in homage to that kind of filmmaking. We haven't even mentioned Idris Elba. I know. Satellite Q&A with Yardy. <laughs> we haven't mentioned Anime Teen, which is a programme of work on celebrating um, British animation, never mind family screenings. But I think it can be uh, uh, headlined as either playfully serious or seriously playful month in August. So check out the programme at watershed.co.uk and we shall see you at the cinema. I'll be in the front row. I'll see you there. <laughs> That's all for this month.